Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is a very special episode of the Social Hour. John and Wendy talk to Dr. Steve Cady and Tom Daniels from Bowling Green State University. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I'm well. We had mentioned in our show with Lori Rudiman, episode 150, that we do have a new sponsor in January, the Bowling Green State University Graduate Programs in Organizational Development and Change. It's obviously a very different sponsor for us, Wendy. It's not a tech company. These are folks bettering our profession in a very unique way. So I'm really excited about this conversation that we're going to have with Tom and with Steve today. I am too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to learn more about the program. I'm very interested in these types of programs, even though I haven't pulled the trigger on doing it myself, but I I find it fascinating and uh, love to see what comes out of them. So super excited for this. We are going to be talking a lot about the program, maybe for those like you and me that haven't been in school for a while, have a, a lot of conversation planned. Let's make the introductions and we'll get started. Yes. Super excited to welcome Steve and Tom to the show. Stephen Katie, PhD, is a professor of management serving as the founding director of the doctoral program in organization development and change at Bowling Green State University. He is an author, speaker, and consultant on topics of collaborative change, motivation, and learning. He has over 30 publications and books. His PhD in organizational behavior and research methods is from Florida State University, along with an MBA and a BSBA in finance from the University of Central Florida. Tom Daniels is the Assistant Director for Graduate and Executive Program in Business at Bowling Green State University, with a focus on admissions and advising for executive students earning their master's and doctorate degrees in organization development and change. Tom is a graduate of the BGSU Executive Master of Organization Development Program. We're so excited to welcome Tom and Steve to the show. Gentlemen, first question, what is in your glass? So, Wendy, uh, this is Tom, and uh, today it's just water. A lot going on to even this evening yet, so my day's not done. So water for me tonight. I, on the other hand, just finished submitting a bunch of grades. This was the, <laughs> this was the last. So I took the opportunity to put um, some Crown Royal with some uh, ginger ale into my glass in honor of grades being done. Nice. And congratulations. I know that's a big thing. That was a lot lot this semester. Tom, Steve, again, we are incredibly appreciative of the opportunity to be working with you all for the month of January and for this particular show. How did each of you become affiliated with Bowling Green State University to begin? I went to University of Central Florida in Orlando, got an undergraduate in uh, finance and a master's in business, MBA. Moved from that to getting a Ph.D. in organizational behavior at Florida State. In the process of that, I became aware of the field of organization development and change. And BGSU has one of the best and the first uh, in the world on that on the topic of organization development and change as a master's program. The classes are really cool. Collaboration and innovation and transformational change and all kinds of neat topics and so forth. So I... Uh, thought that I might come up here for just a few years and enjoy teaching up here for a little while and go somewhere more tropical, like back in Florida. And I've been here over 20 years. Married, settled down, live on a farm, having a great time. So I ended up here because of the program. And I stayed here because of the program, because of the great topics and the students and what we're teaching and the kind of work we're doing. 
my my story is a little bit different. Um, I was working professionally here in the Toledo area, and uh, working in the I had worked in the advertising industry. I was working in the market research industry, and uh, frankly, I was trying to find a way to move from operations into organization development and training and development and talent development uh, space. And so um, I started looking for a grad program and, and uh, found the OD program at Bowling Green, which I didn't even know existed um, uh, when I started searching and found this uh, master's program in organization development at uh, Bowling Green that I could complete while I was working full time because, of course, I couldn't quit my job. I was had a family, et cetera. So, so I actually graduated from the Executive Master of Organization Development program at Bowling Green. And then about uh, seven years ago, after 20 years in corporate world, I had the opportunity to come work at Bowling Green State University and represent the, uh, the program that I graduated from. So it's kind of, uh, kind of a interesting path to get where I'm at today working with Bowling Green. That is awesome. Um, and Tom, your your path is similar to my husband's who uh, got his degree from South Dakota State University and then decided he needed to go teach there. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I, I get to teach a little bit with our full-time MBA students, but uh, my primary role is I get to, to I handle admissions as well as advising for all of our students in our master's program in OD and, and the new doctorate program in organization development and change, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, uh, so it's a, a pretty unique role and uh, feel quite fortunate to be where I'm at today. That is cool. It's nice to have someone focused on that. Tom, really does, you know, kind of dig into some of those graduate programs uh, that uh, BGSU offers to HR pros and how they differ from other programs that you've seen out there. Again, what Steve kind of alluded to it um, in his association to BGSU. Back in 1975, BGSU launched an ex- a master's degree in organization development, first one in the world. It's definitely a very practitioner-oriented program. So uh, specifically, the it's a it's a like talk a little bit about the kind of the format, but really it's much more of a it's designed for working professionals. So HR professionals who are looking to add a specialized degree uh, in something that's a little bit more focused, maybe than uh, some of the work that they've done previously. So that's on the on the master's degree side, and then on the flip side, we we launched a doctorate degree in organization development change. Uh, about two years ago. And this program is much more, again, still work for working professionals, but it is much, we call it a scholar practitioner degree. So it allows that working professional who still wants to use this stuff at work, um, um, but be able to blend that with some of the research. You know, when we look at those two programs, the differentiation that we really have is really on that design. Um, Our students are working professionals. So we blend an opportunity for our students to be able to have some virtual components. I hate to say online because it's not online, like online learning, like most people are familiar with where you watch some simulations and you're in, it's much more of a virtual self-paced. You're, you're going to read, you're going to write, you're going to study it on your own. You're probably going to do that with a couple of cohort members. Then we have the flexibility where we still have some in-person, we call them residency weekends. And our master's program over the year and a half program, students come in eight weekends over the year and a half where they get this opportunity with their cohort to interact heavily, um, but then get back out to to where they live and uh, get out to uh, to their job again, <laughs> be able to apply some of those principles. And our doctor program is similar uh, in that format, uh, but it's five weekends each 
calendar year over three years. And again, it blends those opportunities of this, I'm going to be able to do a lot of this work on my own, but hey, I get this flexibility that uh, I'm still going to get some in-class experience with my faculty member, with my, my cohort experience. So that design alone is one of the big differentiators in our program. I think the other uh, big differentiator is that both of our programs sit in our Smithhorst College of Business campus at BGSU. In many cases, when you look at OD programs, they sit in the social sciences or College of Arts and Sciences. Ours are business degrees. So Steve and I work in the Schmidhorst College of Business on campus at BGSU. And uh, because it's a, a business degree, it also sits under our the elite accreditation for colleges of business, which is AACSB. Um, and so you, you, you kind of start packaging these things together and uh, you find a, a lot of value in the degree. And one of the things that uh, Steve and I do heavily, especially with the doctor program and, and uh, with our colleague in the master's program, is really developing a learning community. Students go through this experience in a cohort model. Um, so you're with other students who are the working professionals. I like to say you're not just learning with each other, but you're also learning from each other. And it's a huge part of that learning process when you bring in all these people from different types of industries, different organizations, different types of roles, and they're sharing information. So so a lot of those things kind of go into really kind of making our programs quite unique and, and uh, we're finding uh, obviously lots of value from our students are finding a lot of value in those experiences. Steve, could you talk a bit more about the classes and how they're structured? Some of our listeners have maybe been to school lately. A lot of us haven't. Uh, Wendy and I, I don't know about you, Wendy, I haven't been to school in more years than either one of you have been associated with BGSU, I think. How does that online experience wrapped in with residency weekends, how does that all truly work? So at the core of the learning is situational learning or problem-based learning. Most people who work in the training area for HR know that the best learning comes from doing. The sticky learning comes from solving challenging problems or wrestling with something that you haven't quite figured out. What's cool is situation-based learning is, is where you learn in service of the task. And that's very realistic in terms of life. You get a challenge. You got to figure out how can you learn the DIY approach, learn what you need in order to get that task done. So now you take a program that is based on tools, techniques, theories, research, models, and frameworks. All of them are what I would call predictable. That is, you follow a tool, you get a predictable result. Now, how do I apply this tool to the situation in an effective way to get that predictable result in a real-life situation? How do I learn how to use the tool? I can read about it. I can memorize some terms. What takes it one step further, hear it, see it, do it, is when I have to take these things I'm learning and apply them to the situation, and I have to learn how to learn while I'm in the process. I have to learn how to quickly ascertain which tool to choose, pick the right ones, apply it to the situation. And in that process, you're familiar with double and triple loop learning, where you apply something, you get some feedback immediately, then you get another layer of feedback from the instructor, then you get another layer of feedback by seeing other students' submitted work, you review other students' work, you're giving each other feedback at the student level, at the faculty level. And so what happens is, in this process, the learning becomes very much about the art of doing the work. 
as opposed to the rote memory of what is the work. Now you build on that. I'm in a problem. I got to solve a situation. I solve a problem with with these tools and theories and, and evidence. And I've got to solve this problem and get this effect. And I've actually simulated it. I've actually had to apply it. I've actually worked with real life clients or a, a simulation in the class where we've worked on something and we're and we're wrestling with it. And we do things. I do a, a, an activity, which goes to the second part of this, which is the cohort-based learning model. I come into a classroom and I do what's called Iron Chef of Collaborative Event Design. We bring in a live client who really needs some work. So, for example, this year we use the Gleaning Ministry. It's an organization that takes food off of farm fields, puts it together, and gets it to people that need food. And they want to advance this work and, may, and take it out broader. And they need to bring people together to figure out how to collaboratively take the work out further. The students don't even know who the client is. They just know that they've got to develop a solution to help them engage people to solve the problem. They're not solving the problem. They're helping them design the pathway. This is what we do in HR, training and development, OD. We create processes that help people to smartly, wisely solve a problem together and implement it. We don't tell people what to do. We help people figure it out in a very intelligent way, and thereby they become more capable in their own right to do it next time. You walk in to the residency. Friday night, okay, team one, team two, team three. You're now a team. Tomorrow morning, you're going to meet your client. You're going to have five hours to design a solution, pitch the solution. The client's going to sit in a fishbowl while everybody sits outside and watches the client as if they were in a room selecting which proposal they're going to accept. But they get to witness the actual discussion by the client on selecting the best proposal, similar to the Iron Chef, which meal is the best. You get to watch the judges actually have the conversation, and you learn so much from watching that. So now you've got this experience where you're in a group solving a problem fast. You don't have a lot of time. You're working with a real live issue that's going to impact people's lives. Help us feed more people that need food. Now it's, it's like the stakes are high. On top of that, I've got to work together with these other folks that I'm in a cohort-based model with, which is we go through the program together. So now you've got forming, storming, norming, performing. You've got layers of how do we work together better? What do we learn about each other? There's no better way to learn about a person than to play a game with them. The best learning about other people at the quickest way is to play a game with them. Take all of that. Now, I hope I'm painting this picture for you that, you know, you're coming into this program. You're not reading a textbook. Take a test, multiple choice, answer some terms. And all of a sudden, now you're proficient at what? Solving community problems, engaging people. Our whole program is based on building deep competencies for the art of doing change work. Every experience, every class is that. It's an experience. And it's real. And we call it intensives. I call them not only intensives, but immersion experiences where it's a full body, a whole human experience where the whole of you has to be. You have to, you have to look at your own personality, how you interact, learn about yourself, others, theory, terms, tools, translating them, applying them, all of that in one place. We create this orchestrated, iterative, double loop learning experience that really takes them to a deeper level, applied level, 
building a strong cohort because when you're done, these are people you've been through a lot with. They're your people for like the rest of your professional career that you can go to and rely on. It's funny that Steve mentions that because when you get a group of alumni together and they walk in the door, they're like, my people, this feeling of your people. <laughs> and also one of the things that we we talk a lot about is it's about, especially for somebody who, John, like you mentioned, you haven't been back to school. One of the things we learn after we leave school is, wow, did I really learn anything or did I perform? It's about helping our students learn, not perform. It's not about getting an A. It's can I take what I'm learning and apply it to the work that I'm doing? And that's the that's the thing we really drive and, and ask our students to really think about. I really like that a lot. I think that's a neat, a neat learning environment. Because again, like you said, you, you know that you can do it because you've done it. It's not just theory in your head. So Steve, one thing that's really interesting to me, you're doing some research around professional joy. That's not a new phrase. I've been hearing that phrase for a lot, uh, for a lot of years. And it's one of those, you know, do I really want to get joy out of my work. So tell us a little bit about that, what it is, how you picked that subject and how you're going to apply it to the classroom. It came out of working with people like us on this session that we're having together this moment. It comes from people who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, talking with them about what is it that you yearn for. And I would offer that it's reasonable to find joy in our work. I want to be joyful. What is joy? So I, in looking at the research on what is the concept of joy, it's interesting because emotions, happy, sad, mad, so forth, those you can pinpoint through research where they've done the resonant scans of the brain, they tell where emotions reside in the brain. And so they've identified these. In some recent research, they've been looking at these concepts called ecstasy, delight, joy, and other kinds of things. And in some of the work that I've been reviewing, the notion of ecstasy, delight, and joy were co-grouped in the research study. They were very close together, almost as if they were not indistinguishable concepts. I step back and I say, then what is joy? It's ecstatic delight. And then I say, okay, well, I can go to a mountaintop. I can go to an island. I go to Hawaii and, and sit with, and go, man, I am in joy right now. How do we flip it and throw the word professional right before it and say, John, I want you to have ecstatic delight professionally, a moment. See, joy isn't something that you have, and it's like you wake up and you're on this joy all day long. We lose our joy sometimes before we get out of the parking lot if we're not careful. These are moments. And what would be great is to have these moments kind of expand and be bigger and bigger and have longer periods of them. And that's a part of our journey to maturity as, as adults. How do we find that mature place where we can get grounded and be in a space of joy over a longer period of time? So I would say to you, Wendy, if you are doing what you want professionally, where you want professionally, with whom you want professionally, when you want professionally, making the living you want professionally. In that moment, I'm doing what I want, where I want, with whom I want, when I want, and I'm making the living I want. In that moment, as you sat there and kind of pondered that and realized that, would you not in that moment kind of go, man, that's ecstatic delight <laughs> right there. That would be just amazing. And granted, sometimes we're not always present because we can lose our joy, like I said, before we get out of the parking lot, if we're not careful. We have to remind ourselves that we are very blessed to have what we have. 
So how does a person get to be able to do what they want, where they want, with whom they want, making the living they want? How do you get to have that flexibility? That's where I get at this notion of what I call the career trifecta or the quartet. But it's the ability to where you can, in most people at your stage, both of you, I would, Wendy, John, I'd say both of you are at this phase where you want to be able to manage where you want, choose what management positions you want. You'd love to consult where you'd like to do, work on some projects that you want, and you'd love to educate and give something back and, and be able to teach others like you're doing with the podcast. To be able to dance in those three areas, how does a person get to dance in those three areas when they want, where they want, with whom they want, making the living they want? Thought leadership is at the core of that. I'll stop there because I, I, I could go further, but thought leadership is what differentiates a person from a subject matter expert. Our doctoral program focuses on build, have, helping people step from the level of subject matter expertise into thought leadership. And when you step into thought leadership, then it begins to open up all these doors for you to be able to do all of that experience, that joy. Given us a lot to think about, earlier, maybe some of the listeners are considering going back to school. What advice would you give to an HR pro that's considering a graduate program, be it with BGSU or elsewhere? How do you think they should set themselves up to be as successful as they can be considering, like you talked about, these are real world opportunities. People have real world things going on, families and work and other stuff. How do they set themselves up to be as successful as they can be? I talk to just about every single person who applies to either our master's program or doctoral program. We kind of chuckle because uh, we work with the non-traditional students, the working professional. They don't just randomly complete an application. They're typically sending an email, making a phone call saying, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about the program? Because I'm not even going to go through the application process unless I know this is what I want. So uh, unlike uh, the traditional undergrad or even the traditional grad students. I have a number of recommendations. The, the biggest one I that I have is review your options. Look across programs. Look at what different type of programs are out there and which one's the best for you. Um, you know, some programs may not be in, again, if you're looking for a business degree, make sure that you're getting a business degree. If you're looking for more of a social sciences degree, make sure you're getting focused in that space. For an HR pro who's looking to to go back to school, I definitely would highly recommend a program that's very practical. Right. So something that, how are you going to take what you're learning and put it into, into work? And again, that's we'll, something that at BGSU we're very proud of, that it is about that practitioner orientation. The other piece is making sure that you're finding a program that meets your learning style. The proliferation of online programs is wonderful and great for people who need that flexibility. Me, personally, if I can't have some interaction with my faculty and my cohort members I need to have that. Um, So having uh, a program like BG's where there is a lot of virtual components, but there's also these residency weekends where I still get that connection to my faculty members, still get the connection to my cohort members, making sure that you choose a program that fits your learning style. Um, And and are you going to have the flexibility within that? And then finally, one of the big pieces of advice I, I give to everybody is ask if you can speak to a student who's in the program that you're interested in. Always make sure you can get the student perspective. Probably, I think sometimes uh, our students will (laughs) talk to, they know everybody who's coming in to the next cohort of experiences because somebody's talked to that incoming student along the way. Because, uh, you know, I could tell you about our program and tell you all the wonderful things. 
and of course, I'm a graduate of our master's program, so I could give you the student perspective, but there's nothing more valuable than that student perspective of that somebody else can, can provide. So um, again, even if it's not Bowling Green, if it's somebody else, make sure you can talk to somebody, current student, and get that feedback about what it's like to be a student in that program. I already mentioned it, the go into it with the learning, not performing mindset. Hopefully we all have that by now. <laughs> We've left that performing uh, in, in school and working to just get an A um, to, hey, how am I going to use this stuff? It's, that's what's most important. First, you got to know what your calling is or what you – in HR, human, human resources is a field about improving lives. It's about fundamentally improving the quality of the human experience at work. People that are drawn to human resources – tend to be in that place where they want to do work that matters. They want to make a difference, and they want to see lives different. They want to see people better off. It calls a certain kind of person. Knowing what your calling is, knowing what you're called to do, how do you want to make that difference? HR has a lot of different tracks you can go down. What is the kind of track that's most suited to your skill set, your gift, your talent, and what kind of difference you want to make in people's lives through HR? Getting clear about that and that difference makes every day worthwhile and it makes the hard times manageable it makes the stress less so to follow one's passion the root meaning of passion is to is to suffer it's it's what are you willing to work hard in service of and i think hr is is a passionate profession for people who really are willing to work hard in service of others i would say first be clear about that if you're not clear about that your work in hr is going to be drudgery you're going to hate it. You're going to be bored by it. You're going to not want to do it. You're not going to be patient with other people, and you're not going to be willing to do the hard work on yourself so you can relate well to others. If you think you like it, you know there's something in it, but you're not sure, you just have to ask and say, hey, I want to know what my calling is, what my gift is, and how I can, and just be open and saying, look, ask the universe, ask God, ask, put it out there and say, I want to know what I'm called to do in this work. I sincerely want to know. You don't have to know, just sincerely ask. And you'll eventually, it'll uncover, it'll kind of unfold for you. So that's number one. Number two is if you want to become the best at what you do, you're going to have to become a subject matter expert. You're going to have to get the degrees, the credentials, and you're going to have to put the hours in, and you have to do the work and be willing to do that. And as you get the credentials, you're going to have to be supported by your family and friends. So you need to orchestrate your life. You can't take a refrigerator that's full and shove a gallon of milk in there without it falling on the ground. You know, when you ever open the refrigerator up and it's full, you don't know where you're going to put it. You got to take something out to put it in. You got to shuffle things around. So to improve oneself and to have the skills to be a subject matter expert, you're going to have to make space and you're going to have to thank your family, thank your friends, all the people that support you and say thank you. You got to organize your life and make it an explicit practice that you are studying, going to school. It's got to be a part of your life, not on top. That's the other thing. Well, now it is time for everyone's favorite part of our show with the half hour question connection. Today, we are going to focus just on Steve. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? My grandfather was in aviation and I wanted to work in aviation, not necessarily as a pilot, but I wanted to work in the airline industry and the cargo airline industry in particular, and just work around planes because my grandfather had a cargo airline that flew out of Miami into Central America. And so I grew up as a little 
grease monkey, as they would call me, because I was all dirty, running around, climbing all over things, uh, getting dirty at the airport. So that was my original thought. Steve, who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? First person that came to mind is a woman who won the Lifetime Achievement Award for OD Network. Her name is Frances Baldwin. She is a dear friend of mine. She's my sweet potato pie friend because we make sweet potato pie over Thanksgiving and share recipes. <laughs> she has worked at the highest levels in government, for-profit, nonprofit, doing some amazing work in the world. So I would say that in the last year, I've come to really appreciate her and her be a part of it. She actually helps. She co-teaches with me, bring in into my, into my classes. I have her come in and co-teach with me in my classes. A new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? Work on yourself first. Get to know yourself first. Make yourself the best you can be for yourself so you can be there for your coworkers, your family, your friends, and the people you care about. Steve, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community or even your community at large? I'm on a variety of boards. I am committed to the field of organization development and change and making a better case for the importance of the behavioral and social sciences to creating a world that works for all. I am actively involved at, on a variety of different boards, and I'm doing other kinds of things where I do webinars and talks and things to share that. And I'm passionate about sharing this stuff, this, these notions of professional joy and passion uh, with people out there so that we can have uh, people who are, for lack of a better word, resilient or have the grit necessary to do the work that we need to do in our field. Steve, what's your favorite movie? You know what just came to mind? Close Encounters. Yeah. Oh. You know, that movie has some really special moments in it. You know, I mean, I, I can reflect on. Ah, oh, just so many. I like the scene scenes where there is that connection, that human connection, love, and the real care for people, for an alien that is very different from me. That just came to mind. How about your favorite musician or band? Uh, I would say Imagine Dragons. I love their music. How about a favorite TV show? The Good Doctor right now. That's a good, that's a good show right now. Although, well, I don't want to diatribe too much here, but they are going through the COVID pandemic in their shows. And I'm like, I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch the. Can we just like act like it, I want to watch an episode. Want to watch another season, you know, not, not a COVID season. Oh my goodness. Steve, you were the first person to ever mention close encounters. And I'm so glad you did as a tuba player. It has one of the greatest tuba solos ever recorded in a film. That whole soundtrack's amazing, and they use Kodai. My wife's a music teacher. She studied Kodai and the hand, sim hand yeah. signals and everything. Tremendous film. I think it's actually back on Amazon right now. Like, there's a director's yeah. cut that's been around. Do this. Go on YouTube and look up that kid. What's his name? The boy? His tryout for the movie. It's, they give him a script, okay. he, and they, just, they do some stuff with him. It gives you goosebumps. This little kid just right there acts out a scene that they give him. And the, after it was done, the director, whoever says, you're hired. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it's on YouTube. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, wow. it's amazing. If you're not watching Close Encounters, not listening to Imagine Dragons, or watching Good Doctor, what else do you like to do outside of work? I love working out with my buddies in the morning early. I have a good workout. Uh, I have three boys, six-year-old, 14-year-old, and an 18-year-old, and, and my wife. And uh, I would say that family is where it all 
is for me. Steve, finally, it is Dr. Steve Katie Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? You are each buying a lottery ticket and mailing it to me. It's just $1. $1. And I want everybody on the planet to buy $1 lottery ticket and send it to me. Oh, I love it. That may be the most genius one day that anybody has ever thought on yeah. brought up on this show. I like wow. it. Wow. I like it. Perfect. <laughs> and fairly low cost. Yeah. <laughs> to everybody else. Right. You can bring me joy. You Love can bring it. me joy and yeah. celebrate me for one dollar. That's all it'll cost you. $1. $1. Oh my gosh. Steve, Tom, this has been just a tremendous bit of time with both of you and so appreciative of this opportunity to partner with you both and with Bowling Green State University for the month. Look forward to a lot of other great things we've got going on. Most of our listeners are probably not connected. I know many of them are going to either want to connect and learn more about the programs, about professional joint, what you're doing there. What's the best way to reach both of you out there, Tom? Yeah, the, if you're interested in our programs, if you just look up bgsu.edu and MOD for the master's program or add DODC on the end for the doctor program, you're looking to find me i'm pretty active on linkedin under tom daniels and also on twitter join some of the twitter chats at tom r daniels 419 and how about you steve s c a d y so s k d s c a d y at bgsu.edu we will have those all in the show notes. Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there. Best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman. And for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Please take a look at BGSU's program, particularly for those of you that are considering Going back to school, I think we've had a, just an amazing conversation about everything they've got going on. Hope you'll check them out. Again, Tom, Steve, appreciate you being with us. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. 